Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. Welcome to episode 19 of the Benley Expert Talks. Today I am joined by Corey Email, Director of Blockchain at Gigster, and we are discussing the question, how can Web3 leaders design experiences for better adoptability? So welcome. Thanks for of joining course. us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I am happy to be on, and this is a great topic because it's one I'm incredibly opinionated on. <laughs> great, great. We look forward to all those opinions. Yeah, yeah, um, great. So, but if we could start out, I would like to start with a little bit of your background in life and crypto and what led you to where you are. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah, so my background's in um, software engineering, uh, you know, out of college, started a few companies, exited a couple all around uh, mobile and IoT uh, and then kind of left and went into more of the hardware world, um, doing kind of embedded system stuff, uh, and then took some time off, traveled for a while, eventually relocated out to San Francisco, and this was probably t- um, 2015, maybe-ish. Uh, oh, I'm dust the, dust the, get the dust off the brain this morning. Um, <laughs> around then, and uh, was, was working in the city uh, with Kickstarter, actually, at the time, uh, and got introduced into uh, into you know what blockchain was, and got super interested in it. And we were super f- fortunate uh, early on uh, to to get started working with Dapper Labs. Um, and you know, I got introduced to uh, so Dee Shirley over there, who's their CTO, and also the guy that wrote the ERC seven twenty one protocol. Uh, and he helped kind of like foster a little of that like interest into the tech early on. And then since then, have just been like incredibly, incredibly infatuated by it. Okay, great. Perfect. Um, then, yeah, if you can also take us through the background and the purpose of Gigster then, in just in case anyone's unfamiliar. Yeah, yeah, this one's a cool one too. Uh, so, you know, Gigster was founded about nine years ago uh, out of the valley. And the two founders had this idea that the future of work was going to be remote. So they... Um, had a crystal ball and or truly ahead of their time, <laughs> truly, ahead, truly, truly ahead of their time. Uh, and, you know, they said that they, they said, one, the future of work will be remote. <clears throat> and then two, like we want to work on cool projects like we want to do emerging tech. Uh, and it worked well because in order to work on emerging tech, which means you have very niche uh, skill sets that you need to do it, being able to work globally is really the only way to make that happen at scale. Uh, and so since then, Gixter has been investing heavily in b- basically building tooling uh, and uh, tooling in a platform to help manage distributed teams globally. Uh, and at the tell everyone at the end of the day, like we're a data company and, you know, we t- collect data on people and how they work and how they operate. Uh, and we just happen to build software, which is which is pretty fascinating. You know, we also uh, so I manage our our academic partnerships um, with Stanford and Berkeley around uh, you know, around the future of work and around how like the behavioral science around distributed workers and how can you create machine learning and AI tools that become predictive on how teams and individuals will be successful in the future based off like signaling functions early on and like the team's uh, formation, which is which is pretty, pretty interesting work. But that's that's kind of like how Gigster approaches the space. We approach it from a very like, you know, we're here to help facilitate and grow. Uh, and that is extremely, extremely, I think, pronounced in our Web3 work uh, and what we're doing in the Web3 space. Great. Then, yeah, can you talk maybe a little bit about the goals that Gigster has for adoptability specifically? Adoptability of Web3? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Ah, yes. Okay, now the opinions. Now the opinions (laughs) can come. We're done with the facts. Uh, uh, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I look at it this way and, you know, and I've, I've been very fortunate enough to help kind of craft some of the, the Gigster direction, um, for all of this. But in my mind, uh, you know, the idea of decentralization of individual ownership, uh, is, is really is the future. You know, I, I, uh, I have a friend 
and Dr. John Henry Kumpacher from from MIT that, you know, I was talking to him one time and he said it really well. He said, you know, NFTs are saving the internet from itself. Like we created, we're, we're at this huge and interesting precipice where, you know, with Web2 and user created content uh, was great. But in order to really transition into this Web3 uh, in this new world where you can actually have individual like verifiable ownership of digital assets, all of a sudden, like overnight, you have a world of possibilities from um, from, a, from a user experience standpoint, from what it means just even for like uh, uh, growth of, of new assets uh, and new asset classes that don't have like negative externalities that get generated when they're created. Uh, and all of that being kind of like underpinned by like the blockchain and like Web3 and where we're going. And when I started to really get uh, very passionate uh, about it, that's when we started to push, I think, on the Gigster side that like our message is that we are here to help drive mass adoption. Um, you know, as of right now, there's only six, there's someone someone always ends up messaging and saying that fact you said was wrong. But as of right now, there's till they roughly 68 million active, uh, you know, crypto wallets. There's 7 billion people on the planet. So the amount of like and, and, and that's 68 million wallets that did like 28 billion dollars in transactions last year. So to see how far and how how much room this space has to grow. Uh, it's mind boggling to see where we can go. And, you know, Gigster's position and what we're here to do, like I said, is one, uh, drive mass adoption. Uh, and we help support the ecosystem and support uh, the community by 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 uh, supplying engineering, like highly successful and highly managed engineering teams. Uh, and for us, you know, we we know and like we know that like may, being successful in the web3 space takes a lot of other um, support uh, you need great tooling providers like Vinly right you need people that know how to do like web3 marketing and community growth you need legal advice you need tax advice we're building out a funding arm we need education uh, and for us trying to be the stitching that helps pull all these people together so that when anyone in the community has a great idea uh, we can help kind of help them through the entire process and be able to to, to pull all of these people in uh, to get people out to market successfully uh, and kind of lower that barrier, the entry. And that uh, it, that that for us is the most important thing that we do on a day-to-day basis. Excellent. Yeah, so kind of focusing in a little bit further on that even, um, how does Gigster help to yeah focus on designing better experiences and what way are they involved? Yeah, that's, yeah, and like that's, that in my mind, I think is incredibly interesting. So I talked to, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of large brands, large enterprises around uh, designing for Web3, you know, what, what does multi-year roadmaps mean for Web3? And the interesting part is, you know, I said earlier, like there's a very, very small fraction of people that actually participate in it, right? I think everyone hears about it, but there's very few people actually taking part. And so how do we, how do we change that? Uh, and there's a couple of things that we do. You know, I, I think that one of I think one of the first first mistakes I see everyone make when they come in and say, "All right, I want to do an NFT marketplace," uh, or "I want to do a crypto thing." What they do is they go to OpenSea. They they, they go and look at what is already out there, um, which is wrong. In my asterisk asterisk <laughs> inquiry's opinion, yeah, <laughs> that's wrong, right? Because you're design you're designing to a market that's le- you know barely. I don't, I don't know actually what it is, like 1% of what's out there. You need to be designing for the 99%. Uh, and you need to be looking at how do you create uh, experiences and flows and things that make them feel really comfortable so that they will adopt it. Because the 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 mental shift for someone uh, that, let's say, is, I would even argue, 25 years or older, to make the mental shift and say, like, yes, I understand that a digital image has value enough that I'm willing to pay a hundred dollars for it. Even say that a hundred dollars for it actually is a major cognitive leap. It it, it really is because Mm -hmm. uh, all the generations up, I've been, you know, under this impression that everything you can copy and paste and share in the web is all about that. Uh, And so in order to, so when they do purchase that, that's a, that's a huge win. Um, And for us, you know, and I would say us as being like 
you, me, everyone in the community, uh, trying to reduce every bit of friction that helps that 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 helps them feel comfortable making that leap uh, should be top of mind whenever designing. Uh, and that's you know that's and that again when we say design uh, a better experience, design is not just UI UX, right? Especially in this space, design is education, right? Mm-hmm. Design is transparency. Design mm-hmm. is providing your community support, um, providing them you know stable, uh, stable and uh, you know transparent again, <laughs> stable and transparent, <laughs> like roadmaps on where your business is going and the ideas that you have. Because we've seen a lot of projects um, come out of the gate with with very lofty promises of, you know, buy now and in the future, we'll give you this, which is fine if everyone was delivering, but from a design and how you, again, reduce that, you reduce that barrier to entry and reduce that friction for early adopters to help make, uh, or I, I guess maybe the better way to say it is you need to reduce the barrier and reduce the friction so that earlier adopters, all they have to do is just make that mental cognitive shift that yes, digital assets hold intrinsic value and then everything else is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's something that we push to everyone. And that in my mind is one of something that we can, can consistently and always do better with. Yeah. Then one of the things you mentioned there was kind of, maybe, I don't know how to phrase it, false promises or, or not kept promises. Um, maybe including that, or if you can think of other things, what in your opinion are some of the other biggest hurdles for that mainstream blockchain adoption? Yeah, that's, there's a lot, right? Um, hmm. I'm trying to figure out which way I want to take this. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I, I would say, so I would say across the board, um, there's a lot of hurdles. And again, people will look at, you know, people, when they look at blockchain, they need to realize like the time scale of the technology that we're talking about. You know, Satoshi's paper came out in what, November 2009. So not even 20 years ago. NFTs arguably was launched in what, 2017. So the protocol there. Mm-hmm. So that's what, three, four, four years old. The really adoption and like major investment in the space really didn't even start happening until the beginning of 2021. So we're sitting on a tech that's, <clears throat> you can argue is basically like, we'll meet somewhere in the higher middle and say it's like three to four, three to three to five years old. Mm-hmm. And with any type of emerging tech, there's a lot of different hurdles that are going to have to come that come into play uh, for and when we say mass market adoption, I'm talking hundreds of millions of users. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that 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 those hurdles start at the bottom and go all the way up. And that's from, um, you know, the, the core chains themselves being able to support X number of transactions per second, um, you know, up to the tooling providers like, you know, this is by no means any 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 type of dig on or, or you or what's out there, but like there's always like there's so much more maturity because I mean I don't know how old Vinley is, but I mean you guys are definitely not as old as Google, right? No, um, definitely not. Or as yeah, or as old as like major tooling, you know, stuff that's been around for twenty years that everyone mm-hmm. looks at and it's like, oh my god, it's so highly polished. It's like, well, yeah, they've been doing it forever. Like, give us some mm-hmm. time. Um, mm-hmm. So I see the hurdles kind of going across the board uh, and. You know, there's there's obviously the 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 scary ones that everyone brings up around um, hurdles from what's going to come from you know lawmakers and how that might you know put a damper or you know, maybe help with it, uh, and all the way all the way all the way culminating at the top that uh, of what we talked about around like user adoption and education and and helping them supply. But I mean, I think that really the big onus on a lot of it. Uh, comes to the brands and the businesses, and these are, and I mean like well-established brands and businesses that are looking to get into the space. I think a lot of responsibility lies on them to create these projects um, and do them well, and not uh, just try to jump on some quick and easy, you know, high-margin revenue stream. Uh, but really look forward and say, like, how do we create some multi-year roadmap and a lot of deeper functionality uh, to that? You know. And, uh, you know, I'm like debating if I want to say this or not. Um, you know, I think two kind of like interesting use cases around that is that, you know, I, I would say one that did really well is like what Adidas has done. Like they've continued to do drops. They've offered like merch. They've done like a lot of partnerships and stuff like they've continued to grow their Web3 initial, you know, 
um, NFT offering into a lot more, which is incredible. So it's a ton of value back to the community. People are, you know, they don't feel like um, they don't feel cheated or anything like that. Uh, and then on the con, you know, on the other side of it, one that I think could have been done better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you see me, if you could see me, I'm like, <laughs> maybe air quoting uh uh as you know i saw that budweiser did a drop you know and they basically you know i think they did uh, they sold out in like an hour or something and it was like three million dollars or something and they basically just like launched an nft and said all right we're done like like what like these people paid money for it like people are purchasing it like yes maybe people are pr- purchasing it for nostalgia but i mean if you're not providing any type of utility or like long-term value beyond just like as a collectible in my mind that's kind of um that's kind of lazy. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, I think that the biggest hurdle is going to come from these large brands taking responsibility and creating actual multi-year thoughtful Web3 strategies. And if they do that and they do that well, uh, it's going to help make the entire the entire next two to four years way, way easier for the for the tech. Mm-hmm. There are many people that are obviously still very much against NFTs. You already spoke about that. Um, that we kind of forget about or ignore? Um, are we just in our own bubble with that? Or are we biased from working in this space? But how can we kind of bring them in? How can we make them do that switch that you were talking about? Yeah. Uh, so I would say, first of all, like, of course, we're in a bubble, right? Like, for anyone that works as close to this tech as we do, like, I mean, and you know, and you almost have to be like, you, you have to be, uh, you have to be in somewhat of a bubble, uh, with any emerging tech when it's coming out. Like I was very, very early on, um, to the IOT space, uh, like super, super early days. Uh, and unless, I mean, so it's, it's super helpful to be in a bubble in that it keeps you motivated to take a tech, uh, that the market is expecting to move faster than what it, like, physically or mentally or theoretically can, uh, and stay passionate about it over time. So do I think we're in a bubble? Yes. I think it's a great thing. Um, being a, however, I will say that being able to take an objective position and say, okay, from the outside in, I could maybe see how this is a a little crazy, which is fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but that, that, and, and, uh, but that's totally normal. Uh, And the way that we help bring more people into the fold, uh, or indoctrinate them into the church of blockchain um, <laughs> is sorry. There's a, there's a storm and it just like blew a door. Uh, oh, shut! No. Oh, did you I hear was, that or no? Oh, I did, but I was commenting on your church of blockchain. Oh, oh my church. <laughs> to the yeah the 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 church of Satoshi. Yeah, maybe a bad maybe a bad analogy, but um, yeah, you know how how we bring them in. Uh, I think is is a couple different ways. Um, you know the the first one being is that is that making it relevant, right? Like everyone's got different interests. And everyone's got different. Uh, habits or things that they find interesting, um, and as as the as the blockchain and Web three space continues to grow, uh, there's going to be start covering you know a lot more of those. You know, I'd say that a lot of the you know the 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 niche places and really a lot of the big places that are being covered by NFTs right now um, have a ton of room to grow. So as that continues to go, more and more people are going to start adopting um, to come in. I think that as we continue to to uh, to, to help kind of like strengthen the, the, uh, the security and, uh, ways to verify. I think the authenticity of projects is going to help, you know, one of the, whenever I, whenever I talk to, to people that aren't in the space or in any way really connected to it, like they, they usually have two things to say, like, <laughs> do you own a board ape? Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's the ones they see are hundreds of thousand dollars, which mm-hmm. everyone listening, I don't. I wish. Uh, but, uh, so the first one is I always say no. And then they say, well, you know, I heard someone like lost a ton of money or there was some rug pull. Uh, and that's usually like the two comments that people have. Uh, and I think from being outside, like, you know, media and news and stuff always is able to latch on, on these like kind of compelling things that people will click on and get super interested in. Uh, and you know, from the bubble perspective, I think that we're able to see really past that, but people on the outside, they do see that. So as a community, we are, 
uh, we have a a lot of responsibility to, to, you know, to help find and, and build tools and build processes and platforms to help mitigate that risk so that when you have the non tech savvy, and I'm not even saying like not, not even like a non crypto savvy, uh, but like a non tech savvy person coming into this, like you have to, you have to find ways to protect them. Right. Uh, and as much as people want to knock on, you know, blockchain is supposed to be decentralized and anyone can do whatever they want. And, you know, how dare anyone try to put restrictions on there? Like, yes, I totally get it. I totally support that. Uh, but in order to help really drive mass adoption for this tech and make it be around for a long time, uh, we as a community have to start building tools and processes, like I said, to help protect people that have no clue what's going on. Like if my mom went on to OpenSea, first of all, she'd have no idea how to create a MetaMask thing and no idea how to go purchase crypto and do it. Um, but last of all, like she would have no clue how to, you know, look at a project on OpenSea, join the Discord, you know, make sure there's actually people and activity going in there, check the roadmap, you know, look at their Twitter to make sure that they have some established following. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, like, you know, uh, there's definitely no way she's doing enough to get on any type of like a whitelist to get to these projects. Uh, so that that from that point, I think that we if we don't start doing better around that stuff. We're only going to make the walls of our bubble thicker, mm -hmm. uh, which, and then we get into the echo chamber and then it's get a bit of a spiral. Bit of a spiral. Yeah. Bit yeah. of a spiral, bit of a spiral. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Okay, good. Then, yeah, when we are talking about designing experiences specifically with adoption in mind, um, on the flip side of this, what experiences are you referring to specifically? Yeah, so I think that the the um, I think that the biggest one, which I, I believe is being solved, closely solved as we speak, the, the biggest one for the longest time, and, I, and I'll and I'll and I'll talk about this in the context of NFTs, uh, is is the purchasing process is the purchasing process. Uh, being able to go and buy an NFT like you had purchased something on Amazon, uh, like that smooth, uh, I haven't seen anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, people will probably say, you know, you know and, I, and I've used NBA Top Shot. Like I think the Dapper Wallet, they did a great job. Um, that one I think is, is, is very, very smooth, but it's still like nothing has reached that level of where I can just connect my credit card mm -hmm. and – have the same um, thoughtless purchasing power that I have as my Amazon app on my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that one for me, I think, is the most uh, interesting one uh, because as soon as you remove that, I think the tidal wave of people coming in is going to quickly find what the next uh, barrier is, right? Mm -hmm. um, and on that next barrier, you know, I, I think the wallet portion, you know, I know that Vinley has a, a great wallet around like custodial wallets. Um, I think that being able to to offer a custodial ship uh, is incredibly important, again, in the context of mass market adoption. Um, and this is uh, this is, again, another one where I go back and forth with a lot of people on where they're like, well, if it's if it's custodial, then you don't really own it because, you know, if you don't have the keys, you don't have the NFT. And I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but like. Go talk to the, you know, the 60 year old person standing on the corner that, and, you know, we're trying to get all of these people to adopt this tech. Like there, there's, there's going to be different tiers of it. Um, but the majority of people, you know, aren't going to want to go and write down a whatever 20, 30 password thing. And if for some reason their kid accidentally throws it away, then they're completely out of luck. Like that just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll start with the question with like, I think that there's two with the, the, the full purchasing experience. Uh, and this is, and I mean, purchasing experience in the, again, in the context of mass adoption, meaning that like, I know that there's like moon pay and ramps and transaction stuff and they work only in like a sub, you know, a subset of the U S States anyways. Uh, but it's still not like as it's still not like, a, I, 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 I I really don't want to keep referencing Amazon, uh, but like it doesn't, it doesn't equate to like existing web two checkout yeah. flows as one. And then I think that when that wall breaks and that becomes easy, the logically next portion will be the wallet. 
Um, and then once that is like completely solved, which argue, I, I think it basically is, but like, um, and then after that, there's, that is going to break and then there's going to be another one. Right. And that's, that's how emerging tech goes. It's just consistently water breaking through one barrier and then slamming against another one. And then everyone's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, we got to solve this. And then mm-hmm. it's the next one. How do you feel gamification fits into this whole conversation? Yeah, gamification is is an interesting one. I, I think that it has a ton of near-term value in that uh, gamification is a great uh, utility and incentive driver layer on top of, I think, where NFTs are right now. Uh, being able to create gamified experience that are underpinned by digital assets uh, is a great way, I think, to... Uh, to bring people in. Um, it's a great way to bring people in and keep people around. Uh, and doing that has shown, I think, through through the early embryonic stages that I would say that we're in right now, like it's showing to be like pretty helpful, right? And, you know, I, when we say gamification, I, I think it covers um, a lot. And, you know, some people would look at gamification and say, well, gamification, does that mean like actual games? you know, like Axie Infinity, or does it mean like a, like a gamification in that, you know, if you collect these certain NFTs, then you get a new NFT. Those are both gamification. Um, And I think that gamification itself has shown to work extremely well in web two. And, you know, I, I I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work uh, in web three, but yeah, I I think it's important especially from, like I said, keeping, getting, getting people in, but also keeping people around, I think is the, Mm -hmm. is really the, the nuancy part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, we've seen play to earn, learn to earn, participate to earn all these different things. Um, How scalable and or future proof do you feel those are? Do you see other things coming up, taking their place? Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's an interesting question because I think it's, I'm sure that there's a, uh, I'm sure there's a professor of psychology out there that would be able to, uh, probably, probably maybe better answer this, uh, than I, than I can. But what is interesting about all of these things is that I, we, we've had versions of them, uh, throughout the tech life cycle, I would say. Right. And, uh, you know, if I look at it from a, a more like abstract point of view is that, you know, in real life does participate to earn or learn to earn work. If you're actually getting fiat currency, like sure people are, in, you know, incentivized through for, for payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we've had similar systems in the web two world, in that, you know, you, you grind in a game or you take surveys or something and you earn some type of like asset that has a level of value to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think is interesting here is that in the Web3 world, you can earn you can earn tokens uh, or you can earn you can you can earn assets that are able to be used in a wider context outside of what you could do in web two. And what I mean by that is that if for instance, you, you know, you grind away in game a, you have like none of that transfers into game B or that, that would never transfer out to go purchase some merchandise from a, from a different, from some random clothing company. Right. So it's, 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 you have the earn, you have that same, like, um, was it the dopamine hit of earning within the game itself? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not transferable out of there. Uh, so with Web3 and being able to, you know, to earn or whether that's participation or playing or learning uh, to be able to earn some asset uh, that you can then take outside of the silo of the of the of the of the of the, of the walls that you earned it in uh, and spend it and actually have upside and value of it outside of that, I think is really, really compelling. And that that I think will help. Uh, help drive uh, help drive adoption of both the tech, but also make those those mechanics of like you said, learn 
learn to earn, participate to earn, play to earn. I think that it will make those mechanics be uh, add a lot of longevity to them over time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Do you see any, or could you make an educated guess, I suppose, on anything similar that might be coming our way? Like similar to play to earn or similar yeah. to... Uh, other other tactics, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, so as the... As the tech continues to grow, uh, there's a lot of, I, I think there's going to be a huge, there's a lot of bridging between in real life events and being rewarded with digital assets. Uh, so when we say participate to earn or learn to earn or play to earn, the initial, I think, connotation is that you're doing that within the digital space or within some of these platforms. But I think that there will be a huge market segment if I can say that, uh, that, that grows with doing in real life, uh, doing in real life activities that unlock digital content. I think that, that, that area of the market is going to be very interesting to watch over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Then on a similar vein or continuing that, that flow, I guess, how do NFTs and such related experiences fit into mass adoption right now? Yeah, so NFTs, I think, help uh, help with mass adoption because they are the most uh, similar thing to owning individual assets in in physical space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's the it's the easiest thing for people to grasp onto. Uh, it's the best thing to unlock utility and uh, you know have a lot of different forms. You know, from collectibles to you know to to to, to voting rights and governance and things like that. Uh, and for mass adoption, I think that they were really key uh, in driving a lot of like comfortability because you know I I, I see them almost as like the 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 second product to launch from blockchain, right? And the first one being like crypto. When I say product, I mean like a consumer good. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And the first one being cryptocurrencies. So that came on board and like, you know, every every banker or person, you know, in a household that like manages finances was like, oh, all right, I kind of get it. But everyone else was like, uh, seems just like a stock and therefore I don't want to touch it. Uh, and then And then when NFTs came along, you know, that the product number two, it seemed much more like obtainable and mentally, mentally obtainable. It's like, oh, these are, you know, they're pictures like a, a bored ape feels much more tangible than like DeFi trading mm-hmm. or like having a Bitcoin that you can't see. Uh, so that, that, in my opinion, was was huge for 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 helping, again, drive that like mental shift uh, in the market to help them. Uh, see and realize like the intrinsic value that digital items can hold. So I, I think they're I think they're incredibly incredibly important uh, as far as the experiences go. You know, I think we're just scratching the surface of what could be done uh, with NFTs as far as like a user experience and like what a lot of the utility and upside uh, is going to be. Because the you know I'll say one point on it that's fascinating. I was talking to the um, to the VP of product over at Animoca uh, Brand, Sean uh, Sean Dudley, who's who's incredible. He was, he was the most eloquent speaker we've ever heard. I think it's just his accent. Uh, uh, but he said, you know, what's so interesting about NFTs, and if you look at them as like products issued from companies, is that typically companies in the consumer-driven world and physical world, they create products that degrade and erode and will eventually wear out over time. Um, NFTs don't degrade. You know, these are, these are products or assets that get sold uh, that are there for forever. Uh, well, hopefully forever, because I think if they weren't, that'd be something catastrophic happened, uh, but that are there for forever. So if you're looking at it from like a, an experience perspective, you have to design and think that, okay, I'm offering something to someone that's, it's never going to break. It's never going to degrade, right? It's always going to be there. So how do I use this? How do I use these as foundational products to grow experiences for customers over time? And that is, that is for, for a, manufacturing economy, you know, that thrives on creating and offering new products constantly to replace old ones is a pretty, is a pretty profound shift. Uh, and that, that, that to me is also going to be something 
incredibly interesting to watch over the coming years as far as how how companies design experiences with that that little i say little but very large difference in mind yeah no that's actually a very good point because yeah definitely in the in the world we live in today it's more things that'll be thrown out in the spring cleaning so um how how do you think that meshes yeah meshes in in what way sorry yeah with like with how brands handle their their customers and and uh yeah uh no i think it's a tough question right and you know i I don't have an answer. I don't know if anyone does. I don't think there's ever been a time in um, a consumer economy where businesses have ever willingly said, I'm going to create something that will last forever. Uh, like, like, why would you? you just, if you sell it once, you just cut off your revenue stream. Like you, I mean, I mean, things in physical space are, are I mean, this is one where I might get the hate mail after, right? From some people, but you know, f- companies design things to fail over a certain period of time, mm-hmm. right? That, it's just how, I mean, it's just what it is. It's not a yeah. bad thing. It's just planned how, obsolescence how, how is proven. I don't think yeah. you're going to get hate mail for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 That's when I get all the mail of like, I knew my iPhone battery wasn't running as long. Like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that it, how it meshes is yet to be seen. But what I do think is that, is that it can be very complementary um, in that companies can continue to offer products in the way that they do, but they can complement them with assets in digital space um, and be able to augment their current offerings and their current experiences that brands have or that customers have with them uh, through these new uh, through these new channels. And that that part I think will be pretty interesting to see how they how brands do that. Uh, you know, the the interesting part of all of that, though, is that it still it still relies on on two things. Uh, and this is where I think that we as a community have to be very uh, outspoken and opinionated and um, that in order to make this all work, uh, one one companies need to be responsible over, I don't want to say over profitable because that's ridiculous. Companies are there to make money. Uh, but, the, but I mean, so again, you know, it, the whole idea of like shareholder first was like very like eighties and nineties, right? Companies mm-hmm. now they're about turning out profit. I get that. Uh, but I, I will say that going forward to make all of this work is that one, one companies need to be much, they need to be responsible, um, about how they, about how they think about creating these offerings that will be there for forever. Um, and on the flip side of that, like we as a community and really us as a larger market need to hold them accountable for when they don't. Right. So if a large brand does a project and then they just sell it and leave because they wanted like their brand moment in the space, like people should be pissed about it. Like it shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm, you know, I've got my Budweiser token now. It's like, Dude, like you, like we should be expecting. We should expect so much more from, um, from 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 the companies providing. So that it's a slight, it's a slight rant and maybe a slight, slight jab. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the the meshing point will be will be interesting to see. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll get more hate mail about the jab than you will about the, <laughs> the first bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So. On the, yeah, kind of the answer to what you were just saying there then, what are some tips you can give if you could sum up a few important things for brands or projects? Um, what can they do to improve adoption and and make people happy mm. <laughs> in the space? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I usually charge for this, but you can have it, you can have it for free. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> just kidding. between us. No. Just between us, yeah, 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 and uh, and chat or whoever is listening. Um, uh, so I think that I think whenever I'm talking to brands uh, and they're like, "Corey, like we want to do Web 3 I'm like, "All right, cool, glad to hear." Uh, but like, what are you know, what are the thoughts? Um, and like, what things should we be aware of? Uh, and 
when we say like the biggest hurdles for brands to move into Web3, you can kind of flip that into two, basically two kind of segments. One being, what are the hurdles uh, from a technology perspective? Um, So internally, how do you get ready for Web3? How do you, and this can go all the way down, like how do you choose a chain? How do you choose how your finance department recognizes the revenue from it? How do you um, organizationally get, uh, you know, your, your, your IT and DevOps and security teams on board with what you're building like that. That's a whole conversation in and of itself. Uh, the other side of that is, is how do you plan, uh, on the customer side? And I think that we've talked about that, um, a lot, but if we wanted to kind of distill it down in something that I ever, that I always tell brands is one, the first thing that is that you need to approach this with the utmost transparency. Um, you need to come to your customers and say, like, look, we're doing something new and, you know, we, we're, we're here to try it out. Um, and here's like our ideas and what we want to do. And when I say transparency, uh, I think that the, the, the biggest thing is providing roadmaps, um, I think is incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, you're asking people to, to, again, as we said before, take that mental leap and, and give you dollars, their hard earned dollars. Uh, for some digital good that you're producing at a 99%, 99.9% margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they expect to get a level of return from it. And one of the best ways to do that is, you know, is, is, is to be able to provide at least a roadmap so people know where they're going once they get in. Uh, and I, I always tell companies too, like, if you can't plan some form of a activity or value unlock, you know, for every month of the next 12 months, or at a minimum, the next six months, we should probably wait to do something. Um, Because if you can't, because if we can't even dream up cool stuff to do with, you know, the magic that is NFTs over six times, like then, then, then we probably should pump the brakes just a little bit and kind of think through all of this. Uh, and I, I think that's the biggest that's the biggest advice um, from it. And you know, the other side too, uh, I think to go with that is that one, be always be able to create a mode roadmap. But this is like this is another interesting insight that I had. So I was talking to uh, Richard Walker, who's the strategy principal for blockchain at Deloitte, and I was asking him like, you know, how do you get like how does an organization like a large organization a historic organization or something that's been around for a long time get ready for for web3 and he had a he had a very unexpected answer but incredibly incredibly insightful one and he said you know one of the big things uh to do for an organization is one like get people ready to fail like you know we're like this is a like a very very emerging technology that has like dollars at stake where you're offering some compelling products right but no one's figured it out like no one's knows i mean we're we're in the early days of like ai and ml and for like a large brand that sees nfts and blockchain and web3 as like new channels to engage customers like there's gonna like there's gonna be hiccups there's no two ways about it and so getting organizations uh and brand in your in your company ready to experiment and ready to be okay with trying something and it not working you know like that's like that's huge and if you look at large brands like um <clears throat> large historic you know like like coca-cola and we would bring budweiser back they tried something maybe it didn't work but at least they tried right and internally at the organization i hope they feel great about it because they did go out and explore something new and i hope they continue trying but for a lot of these brands that are so used from a marketing and consumer perspective of always being right uh getting okay with being with trying something new and being wrong is incredibly uh is is incredibly helpful and that 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 one i think for for brands to implement web3 is so to circle it back is one uh do internal education and get people on board and ready to go to know that we're trying something new uh, and then the second one is being able to actually just think of a valid roadmap for at least at least at least six months i hope everyone's a year but it should be at least six months yeah fair fair i think that's yeah really good way to distill it down and give us a, a takeaway here. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> um, so where do you see the space in five years' time? What aspects are going to survive? What do you think will be forgotten? Obviously, very much an opinion here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, um, um, that is one that 
I consistently ask myself and I, I try to ask others and I, I, I don't know, you know what? And I think the best way to think about it or the way that I try to think about it is, um, you know, what, what was like, where, like, where was, where was machine learning five, five, five years after it hit mainstream. Right. Um, and five years after hitting mainstream, like it was doing cool stuff, but it wasn't to the initial crazy expectations that the, the market had for it. Uh, and so I, if I akin that to where we're at today, I think that majority, and I, and I say that, uh, I would say that where where we are now for the remainder of 2022 uh, is that a lot of new entrants and people coming into the space and learning about NFTs and blockchain and Web3, um, <clears throat> a lot of them go to Ready Player One. They go to Mark Zuckerberg's VR, you know, future. Uh, and I think that that's where a lot of people think that it's going and where it will be in five years. I beg to differ. I think that in five years, what we're really going to see is one, a, a drop of the, uh, um, actually had this as a trivia question the other day. I don't know if NFTs is an, uh, is an acronym or an abbreviation. It's an acronym. <laughs> so we're going to see a lot acronym. of drop. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to see, okay. So we're going to see a lot of dropping of the acronyms, uh, mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff like I don't know if people will I, – I hope people aren't saying NFTs. I think people will just refer to them as assets or digital assets um, and that the idea of like even referencing the blockchain will probably go away, right? Like no one – you know, I don't talk about – I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Facebook and its Postgres database. Like, no, like people <laughs> – yeah. You don't talk about that stuff. Like it's just it's, it becomes so synonymous with with the value offerings on top of it that you don't have to refer to it. And I think in five years, that's where a lot of this is going to be. Okay. Um, in that the, the major shift will be the change in just how people reference and talk about the things. Uh, and then you know with that too, I think that the interesting like cross pollination between different platforms and being able to create value in one and then move it to the other is going to see more adoption. Uh, and yeah, I, I, it's, it's going to be cool. I, I, I think that even my, so my prediction for, uh, for 2022 was that 2022 will be the year of the enterprise for blockchain, um, being led through entrance into the space through NFTs. Uh, and as that continues to grow in 2023, um, I think that's going to really define where the space goes, uh, pretty quickly. Um, so that's, yeah, I hope that, uh, I hope that is helpful to some. I feel, I always feel like I, I feel like the, the I'm sorry to, to append my answer earlier of things people usually ask me when they're when they're outside the bubble. It's have you heard of or do you own a board ape? No. Uh, uh, have you heard about the hack? Yes, sure. Uh, and then what crypto? What token should I buy? Yeah, which I, which I also don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So so coming on the edge of where we'll be in five five years, I everyone take it with a grain. This is an opinion. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Um, so what advice would you give to Web3 developers looking to make a difference in the space? Hmm. That is a great question. Um, hmm. I mean, so Web3 developers are in a great opportunity and that they, you know, that the, um, is that for for developers in the space, there's still a lot of opportunity to make huge impact, right? Uh, it's not like you're, you're you're not a developer walking in and saying like, I want to do cloud computing, something that's dominated by giants like Amazon and Oracle mm -hmm. and, and Google and, and making a dent in that is near impossible. Uh, you're, you're walking into a space that one is extremely, extremely collaborative uh, and inviting and welcoming. Uh, you know, I've been to... Uh, I haven't participated, but, you know, walked through and, and seen a bunch of the hackathons at the conferences, like everyone is there to help each other. Uh, you know, even, even companies that on paper you would look and say, wow, they're, they're competitors are helping each other, right? Like it's all about the growth and the adoption of it. So from a developer standpoint, you're walking into a great community and a great opportunity to really make an impact at, at, at an individual contributor scale. Um, but then also, you know, there's a lot of great, projects that are there that are, you know, either DAOs or open source that are looking to 
fundamentally improve a lot of the lower level infrastructure and stuff um, that you can be a part of that will have, you know, that long, that long, uh, that long tail satisfaction knowing that you were part of this uh, from the beginning. And, you know, the other part too is, 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 and I know this has been something I've said a lot, but also uh, for web three, developers coming in it's like you know be part of projects that you believe in uh and also have like standards right like don't just take a paycheck to do something um because it's there like if the project looks like they're trying to scam or rug pull or they're not committed like it's the honest is on you as the enabler to uh to help provide guidance education and help kind of like deter that because you are going to be the impact that that will have on the community and the tech and the adoption as a whole is the ripples are profound. So I, I, I push everyone to do that. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's the biggest one. You know, the, the opportunity for devs right now in Web3 is is endless. It's, it's, it's incredible to see, honestly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, anything to plug? Anything happening for you or Gigster that you want to tell everybody about? Uh, no, you know, I, I, I appreciate the time to talk. You know, if anyone ever wants to chat about NF nfts or web3 or if you want to you feel free to reach out on twitter or something like that be happy to happy to talk through it more awesome good and last question we have to ask everybody who should we have on venley expert talks next oh that is a good good question um i've so i just did a live stream the other day and every guest that i had on was fantastic uh but i will say that since i commented on his eloquent speaking and accent i would like to nominate <laughs> sean dudley vp of product at animoca brands <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah good i'm glad that he came up again <laughs> good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a long list so if you need some i've got quite a few people that uh that i could refer awesome yeah definitely we'll check that out um great then that's about it. Thank you so much for taking your time. And especially I know since you're busy and going places. And Of course. No, absolutely. Happy to be on. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Well, hope we get to talk again soon. Of course. Yeah.